Hello, you're listening to Dr. Baz of Grace Life Church in Naples, Florida. Thank you for joining us as we open God's Word. And may God's Spirit speak a personal word to you through it. Father, the next time that we find ourselves fearful of what you're asking us to do, may our reasons for why we can still be faithful loom large in our heads as you stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance of your word, by your spirit, so that we might be faithful, even though fearful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's what it's about, why you can be faithful, though fearful. Now, our text, as you've probably just observed, comes from the Christmas story, which usually leads to a sermon on the Savior who came to save us from sin. But I want to talk to you from that text about the Savior who came to save us from fear or being crippled by fear and why it is that we can be faithful, though fearful. The uh, Christmas story, as you know, is all about God's plan of salvation. But you know what a lot of people don't know is that it's a plan that is so comprehensive that it determines how and when every individual who will be saved is to be saved. And in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, Paul says just that. He said, God set me apart from birth and he called me by his grace. And when he was pleased to reveal his son in me, he did so, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So you can see from that verse, it, it, it's not only about how and when everybody, whoever will be saved, is going to be saved, but it's a plan that is so concise that it predetermines the life and the calling that is the purpose of every individual, whoever will be saved. He revealed his son in me, and he did so, and in Paul's case, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. But you see, the problem that God's plan encounters is that it comes face to face with our fears. This was true throughout the Gospels. It was definitely conspicuous at the end of Jesus's ministry. Mark 10, 32 says they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way while those who followed were afraid. Matthew 28, 8 tells us that the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with joy. John 20, 19, on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together, they had the doors locked for fear. The very word fear is, is the word that best categorizes or characterizes the disciples when Jesus' life had come to a conclusion. But it also characterized them all through his ministry. In Matthew 17, 7, Jesus had to say to them, get up, don't be afraid. In Matthew 8, 26, Jesus says to Peter, O ye of little faith, why are you so afraid? And in Matthew 14, 27, speaking to all the disciples, he says, take courage, it is I, be not afraid. In fact, no less than 12 different times 
do the, do the Gospels record Jesus saying to them, do not be afraid. There are many other instances that, where he doesn't say that, but where it's clearly the case. This is true at the end of the, his life, true all through his ministry, and it certainly was true at his birth. In Luke chapter 1, verse 12, when Zechariah sees the angel and gets his calling, it says he was startled and gripped with fear. Matthew 2, 3 says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And the word that's translated there, disturbed, means terrified. In fact, that's how it's translated in Mark 6, 50. So when Herod heard of the birth of Jesus, he was terrified and all of Jerusalem with him. When Jesus encounters an individual, when he encounters you in this coming year and calls you to do something, in fact, even when he encounters a city, it's a fearful thing. Why is it a fearful thing? Because it's a threat to your autonomy. It'll be a threat to your popularity. It will be a threat to your earthly security. You see, this is the, the whole point of the message is don't feel that you have to fail when God calls you to do something fearful in 2022. Because there are reasons why we can be faithful when we're fearful. And we see them in our passage. Look at Luke 1.29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God and you will be with child and give birth to a son. <laughs> now notice the word afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. Uh, the Greek word that's translated there, afraid, is the word phobio, of course, from which we get the word phobia, which begs the question, why would God commission someone to have a part of his plan who is plagued with fear, and who, well, has a phobia about the whole thing? The answer is, is because if God waited to find somebody who did not respond in fear, there'd be nobody to call. Mary's just like us. As you can see, the disciples are just like us. The human race that Jesus came to call into service is terrified of, of anything he might ask us to do. But Luke 174 says Jesus came to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. That is the fear of our enemies in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. The calling of God is a call to be faithful even though you're fearful. And look, we've just seen it. Better men than we have been very fearful of doing what God has called them to do. You can go right back to the Old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 6, when Jeremiah is called to be God's spokesman, Jeremiah responds by saying, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, uh, uh, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. I'm, I'm not qualified. In Judges chapter 6, verse 15, when Gideon is called by God, he replies, <clears throat> Well, how on earth could I save Israel? God actually wasn't asking him to save Israel. He just wanted to use him. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. These are the very reasons uh, that we give God. These are our responses. I'm not qualified, 
And who am I to do what it is you're asking me to do? In Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, when Moses was called by God to be his spokesman, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, oh Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Like my mother said when she first heard that I had answered the call to the ministry, Lord, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> uh, in Exodus 3.11, Moses says again, he says, but, 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 but who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring Israel out of Egypt? And you know, the Lord says to Moses, and we'll look at this in a minute. He said, well, don't worry, I'll be with you. And yet Moses is still terrified. Let me tell you a true story. <clears throat> Patricia Matheny, she tells the story of her five-year-old son, Johnny, who was with her in the kitchen when she told him, well, go in the pantry and get me a can of tomato soup. Well, Johnny said, well, it's dark in there, and, uh, and I'm scared. Well, his mother assured him, it's okay, baby. Jesus will be in there with you. She said that Johnny gingerly opened the pantry door, peered into the dark, and said, Jesus, if you're in there, could you pass me out a can of tomato soup? <laughs> and, and why do I say that? Because Jesus is not going to do it. We have all got to conquer our fears and be faithful to what God is asking us to do, even though we're fearful, which is what we see Mary doing. Now, somebody might say, but I've got real reasons as, 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 to fear of doing what it is that God asked me to do. Well, if we look at the passage before us where God is calling Mary to be a part of her plan, you can see that she had every reason to be frightened by the call. And yet she didn't allow those fears to cause her to fail. So what reasons did she have to fear God's call? Well, first of all, how about the fear of death? Deuteronomy 22:23 makes it very clear that a virgin who's pledged to be married and who sleeps with another man is to be stoned to death. So if she accepts this call, she is exposing her in the natural realm to that very thing happening, fear of death. And then, of course, she had a fear of rejection. And from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 20, we learn that that God's plan very nearly resulted in Joseph, her husband, filing for divorce. I mean, how, how are the parents, how are the friends and, and, and family and fiancé going to swallow this story that now I'm a pregnant woman, I'm a pregnant virgin? It's, what are the chances of anybody believing that? So she, she had this very legitimate fear of death, a legitimate fear of rejection. And of course, she must have had a, a fear of inadequacy. At verse 34, she says, well, how's this going to be since I am a virgin? Now, most scholars, and you've probably heard this, believe that she was about 16 years old at this time. And she's just been told, you're going to be the mother of God the Son on this earth. What do you suppose she was thinking at 16? The fear of how could I possibly be up to that task? 
a fear of death, a fear of rejection, a fear of inadequacy. What's your fear of doing what God next calls you to do? So why is it that I can be faithful even when I'm fearful? What comfort has Mary's store, story for me that I'm not going to fail? And what do we see in this story is, is you're not going to fail because of God's presence. Look at verse 29. Verse 29 tells us that Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. Well, of course, knowing that fear would be her, rea her reaction, observe how God comforts her fear. Because in verse 28, when the angel goes to her, he says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This is this grand antidote. God is telling her, Mary, you're going to succeed in what it is I'm going to ask you to do. And here's why. It's because I'm with you. The believer has the promise of Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, that says, be strong and be courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified. I mean, don't give in to that. For the Lord your God will go with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, you might say, well, yeah, but that's a promise that God gave in the Old Testament to Joshua. Yes, but it's quoted in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, and is given to the believer. And, and your ability and my ability to, to see that Jesus is always with us with, by the eyes of faith is what enables us to be faithful even when we're fearful. In Acts 2.25, Peter quotes David saying, I saw the Lord always before me, and because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body will also live in hope. Why? Because I saw the Lord always before me. In 2 Timothy 4.17, uh, would you believe Paul could ever be fearful of preaching? But he's so fearful of preaching to Gentiles because he doesn't know how they're going to react. But he says, the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. What did he need the strength for? So that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Well, how did Paul and how did Peter know that the Lord was standing by their side? It's because they'd heard the promise that he'd never leave them nor forsake them. And so through the eyes of faith, they saw him standing by their side. God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, exactly what he says to you and me, and that is, in this coming year, nobody will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. And here's why. As I was with Moses, I will be with you, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. So when God asks you to do something this coming year, and you're very faithful, you can be fearful. You can be faithful if you just know God's presence is right there with you. I can be faithful, though fearful, not only because of God's preference, but presence, but because of God's preference. Look at verse 28. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly <coughs> favored. Now, the Greek word there that's translated favor is the Greek word karitu, which is based on the root word charis, which means grace. Greetings, you who are highly favored. 
could just as easily be translated, greetings you who have received a high degree of God's grace. So in the Christmas story, who else besides Mary has received a high degree of grace? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says all believers are saved by grace. That is, they are who they are by the grace of God. They are recipients of God's grace and therefore are highly favored. And that means that God is on your side. And when you don't like the way he's dealing with you, perhaps he's disciplining you or just exposing you to a hardship within which he, he, he wants you to glorify him and you don't like it, that you just need to remember that everything he's doing, he's doing because he's on your side. As Paul says, he's working all things to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And, and as Paul uh, says in his, uh, his, 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 his irrefutable logic in Romans 8.31, if God be for us, then who can be against us? So as we look at the story of Mary, or, or if you prefer, uh, the story of Christmas, it's a story of God revealing his preference. And guess who it's for? It's not just Mary. It's for us who believe, who have received this grace. You, you can put these words and apply them to you. Hail, you who are highly favored. If you're a believer, you can say that. Luke 2.14, in fact, says that Jesus' birth was glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor, that is, his grace, rests. Matthew 1.23 says the virgin shall be with child and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. With who? The believer. The one on whom his favor rests. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. If you're a believer, you have this amazing preference. The, the, the Christmas story isn't just about the, the presence of God. It's about the preference of God. Jesus' grace and favor is ultimately given for us who believe. Romans 4, 24 says that. It says, God will credit righteousness for us who believe. Believe what? Believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead and believe that he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised for our justifications. Back to actually, it is God's preference that gave us the grace to believe in the first place. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, talking about those who would believe. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Ephesians 1, 19 talks about the incomparably great power for us who believe. All believers, like Mary, are highly favored. They are preferred. Psalm 124, verse 2 says, If God hadn't been for us, when everyone else was against us, we would have been swallowed up alive. And Psalm 126, verse 3 says, The Lord has done great things for us. By the way, hasn't he done great things for us? You know why? Because you've been highly favored. Well, what's a, what sort of things has he done for us? 
Let me just throw a few scriptures at you. Uh, uh, Psalm 40 verse 5 says, He plans for us. The things you have planned for us, no one can recount. Uh, Psalm 9 verse 8 says, He decides what is right for us. Why does He do that? Because Psalm 8 4 says, <clears throat> He cares for us. All of Psalm 62 says that He is a refuge for us. And Isaiah 26 verse 12 says that's how he establishes peace for us. And, and because Psalm 47 verse 4 says he has chosen our inheritance for us, Psalm 47 verse 3 promises that he, if necessary, will subdue all nations for us. The whole world revolves around you if you're a believer. And that is, God revolves around you to accomplish his purposes in your life. All things work to the good. All things conform to the purpose of his will. So, so God is saying to Mary, what, it, what he was saying to us is, even though you're fearful, you can do whatever it is I've called you to because I'm with you and because I'm for you. And I'm for you because you're highly, highly favored. You can be faithful or fearful because of my presence and because of my preference. God's presence, God's preference, and God's plan. Look at verse 31. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. And here's the plan. It's never changed. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. That's the central part of the whole plan. But, but look at this. All believers, not just Mary, are called to be a part of exactly the same plan. You have two choices in life. You're either going to pursue your plan for your life, or you're going to abandon your plan for your life and seek God's plan for your life. This week, I was, I was reading about John Scudler. He was a doctor and a successful doctor in New York City, but he was also a believer. And in those days when doctors go and, would actually go and visit you in your house, uh, he visited a patient. And he saw a, a booklet on the table, which essentially on the cover poised the question, is it is it going to be God's plan for your life or is it going to be yours? And, you know, he said, I've never thought about that. I'm just living my life, doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing. But he realized God was challenging him. And as he processed this over a period of time, it ended up in him becoming, would you believe, a missionary to the island, rather a large island off the coast of India called Sri Lanka which incidentally was where I was born. Um, but what a wonderful thing that he did that, because God used that uh, obedience of his and paraded it in front of his children, and it was God's good pleasure to see that all nine of his children would become missionaries. Let's be clear that uh, you can be a great parent and your, your children don't even get saved. That's outside your control. Being a good parent is, is inside your control. It's just, that's not my point. My point being that uh, there was something here that God chose in this case to use, and it's a lovely thing. 
let's get a little theological here. Proverbs 69 says, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord actually determines his steps. Which of course is why, you know, we've said this before in Ephesians 2.10, that God can say, as a believer, you're God's workmanship in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for you to do. You would never, you, you would never be able to do all those good works if God wasn't determining actually your steps. Philip Jenkins, speaking on this verse, he says, everywhere you will ever be is due to the fact that God mysteriously guides you there in order to do a good work because you are a part of his great plan, just like Mary. Okay, well, we're waxing theological there. Now let's just get practical. So wherever you find yourself, therefore, you must remember that you may be there for a significant divine appointment. And you can be faithful in that appointment, even though you're fearful because of God's presence, his preference, and because right then you're in the middle of his plan. <laughs> a number of years ago, uh, I was catching a plane from Kansas City to San Francisco with my son, John. And before, you know, the, the plane was boarding, I went and got a coffee. And an Australian woman who was uh, in line with me she recognized my accent and she asked me if I was English. Well, of course, this led to a small conversation out of which I discovered that she was actually going to be on the same flight to us with us to San Francisco. Well, my son was sitting on the window seat. I was sitting in the middle. The fellow sitting to the right of me. But lo and behold, she was sitting exactly on the aisle seat opposite our aisle. I noticed uh, throughout the flight that she was continuing to order alcoholic drinks and was becoming increasingly and conspicuously intoxicated. Uh, so intoxicated, in fact, that uh, she asked the guy sitting next to me if, they if he would change seats so that she could sit next to me, which, to my horror, he, he accepted. Well, she came and... She said, and I'm thinking to myself, Lord, 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 why are you putting me through this? Um, I can only say that when she was sitting next to me, for want of a more ecclesiastical adjective, uh, she was hammered. Um, <laughs> she let me know that, that her husband had left her, that she was lonely, and that, uh, as she described herself, I'm a bit of a drunk. Well, I, I, what could I do but listen to this uh, monologue? And... Uh, at length, she said to me, well, so, what, so what do you do? Well, I smiled and looked her in the face and I said, I'm a pastor. She, after letting out a very quiet but rather sudden uh, obscenity, um, she, she, she started to cry. And through her tears, she, she said, you must think I'm worthless. I don't know why I said it, but I said, actually, uh, I think you're precious, and to God exceedingly so. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if God didn't put the two of us together just so he could tell you that. Well, she really started crying then, and she said, well, I guess he did. And then she said, you know, I know the Lord, but I've been away so long. I'm a mess. And I thought that he must have 
uh, have grown to hate me. And she said, but I can see now that God must have put you right there beside me to tell me that he's never stopped loving me. I, I think of that girl, and I don't know what happened to her. But you know what I do know? I know that there was a divine appointment. And it was an appointment where God had a word for somebody who desperately needed to hear it. Folks, if you're a believer, we're, we're all a part of a great plan. You're a part of it. Whatever God calls you to in this coming year, you can't fail. It doesn't matter how fearful. And, and it's not because you did a good job of it or you will do a good job of it or you do a horrible job of it. It's because his presence goes with you and his preference is for you and because his plan includes you. And finally, not just those three things, but God's power goes with you. Look at verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that that Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who has said to be barren is in her six months for nothing is impossible with God. How are you going and we going to do the scary things that God might call us to do in the coming year, here's how the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Well, 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 what if God calls me to share my testimony and I do a really bad job of it? Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You're a good witness, not because you're good at it. It's because the power of God goes with you. So, Notice Mary receives this call. What's her immediate response is, well, how, 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 it's the same as ours. How shall this be, seeing I'm a virgin? I'm incapable of answering this call. Surely. And God responds, don't give in to fear, Mary. And this is how he's responding to you and me. You're a vital part of my plan. You're highly preferred. So whatever it is I've asked you to do, you can be sure of this. My presence will go with you and my power will be upon you. Now, when we hear that, how should we respond? We should respond exactly the same way Mary responded in verse 38, where she says, in faith, well then, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me even as you have said. Debbie that Debbie reads um, a, a daily devotion. Her devotion at the moment is it's called Everyday Faith. And she showed it to me this week. And, and one of the excerpts said, it is often thought that faith is the opposite of fear. This is not biblically accurate. It says the truth is fear is a feeling. Faith is a choice. This means that faith is something that you can choose to have in spite of the fears you feel. So, may it be said of us at the end of the year what Elizabeth says to Mary in verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Amen.
Let's pray. Lord, as we approach your table here, may we search our hearts and may we um, gird our loins to obey you in this coming year. And may your spirit at that time when we are fearful remind us that your presence is with us and your power is upon us. And then may we be faithful even when we are fearful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Dr. Bez. Tune in next week as we continue studying the Word of God. May God bless you.